0: Hi everyone, <laughs> welcome back to the Adaptable CEO with Anya and Tiffany. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who listened to our very exciting 2023-2024 ep. We're so excited to bring you a very special guest next week. But for this week's ep, we have decided to have a really cool conversation about basically the representation of chronic illness and disability on social media, but also just some of our experiences with navigating our identity with chronic illness and disability and our identity as really a whole person. Hopefully a lot of you can relate to that. And if you don't have a chronic illness or disability, maybe you're going to learn something from this conversation.
1: Yes, absolutely. And how this idea for the podcast came about was I actually heard from a friend, a comment that another friend had made about my social media, my personal page on Instagram And it was nothing negative, didn't have any ill intention behind it, I don't think. But basically, she told our other friend that I appeared from my Instagram stories to be better, to be healed miraculously. What was my secret? How did I get better from my Lyme disease? When this couldn't be further from the truth, (laughs) I would say After having Lyme disease for six years now, I definitely say I have a chronic illness. I'm not getting any better overnight. I have exhausted myself with many, many treatments. And while I do have hope that I will improve gradually over time, I'm definitely not just healed over the last few months because I've been posting lots of stories, being out and about and whatnot. So, yeah, that sort of led to the discussion Anya and I have had this morning about how we are viewed on social media, how we battle internally with how we are seen by other people, how we see ourselves. So, yeah, we just thought it would be a great conversation to record today.
0: Yeah, and I think just adding to what really led to this and the conversation that we had this morning even people that you know we know mutually that have seen you when you're more sick and seen you now they've even thought that you've seemed better just because like of what you're posting how you seem that you've been out more but like knowing you you've just been making a really much more deliberate effort because you've decided to just embrace life more but behind the scenes you've been hit by more like viruses flus colds low points flares in addition to your daily symptoms can you speak to that like a little bit more on how you've just gone through for it, but there are obvious consequences to making that decision too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's probably been almost 10 months now that I did make the conscious decision. I was just fed up of my mentality of thinking this is my life. I'm not able to enjoy things that other people can enjoy. And it was just like a switch went off in my brain and I just wanted to find a job within my capacity. I wanted to go out out with my friends more within my capacity. I wanted to reconnect with my friends more within my capacity. I must stress within my capacity, which is not the same as somebody who does not have a chronic illness or disability. But of course, when you take a picture, when you take a snapshot, you post it on Instagram or I post a photo with a drink, with an alcoholic beverage. That does not mean I have gone and gotten absolutely sloshed that day or night. So, yeah, there's many, many nuances to this whole topic. But, yeah, it can be frustrating. But I also think people that aren't chronically ill or disabled sometimes have similar problems with social media. What's been your experience, Anya, especially since you're a lot more vocal on your social media about your disability and the advocacy work you do as well, People see you travelling around the country all the time, doing amazing speeches. Like, everyday people couldn't even do that. (laughs) But how do you do it and manage your health at the same time? And how do you think people perceive you?
0: I think I really struggle to actually put out a really like honest image of what it's like. So I think a few examples are like I did a red carpet and unfortunately 24 hours before that, I was in hospital under anesthetic. I had some like issues post-op with my heart. So I just really wasn't feeling well the next morning. And I had to get on a plane by myself without a support worker. And I usually was, would travel with a support worker. And even though I had like a bit of time to rest at the hotel that night before the event the next day, I really wasn't well. And I think that people often don't see that because I can put on the face of being well, really well and like kind of act it. So yeah, I think it can be really difficult for people to understand what I truly go through And then if I tell them what I truly go through, then they don't think that
1: I enjoy the rest of it. That's just one example, but there's been many examples where you've had speaking jobs and you've been in a hospital the day before, the day after, and you schedule almost your health appointments, which are so, so many, around your work commitments or vice versa And people don't see all that effort behind the scenes for you to appear like you're doing it all. And I'm not saying that's what your intention is. It's just you have goals like every other person. You have ambitions like every other person. You're not defined by your health in every which way. So, you know, you're doing the best in your situation. But then on Instagram, it's you post a beautiful image of you in a gorgeous dress, with makeup on, looking quote unquote healthy, it is bound to mess with anyone's head. That imposter syndrome sort of thing. Am I really this sick, but I look good. People are telling me, oh, you look so well. Like you feel it too. Definitely. And I think the past two years
0: in particular, I've been really busy in terms of my career, my speaking, my advocacy, like I've done more than ever. And I've had more opportunities than ever, but I've probably been quieter than ever on social media comparatively. But 2021 was like a really bad year for my health. But, like, I had a feeding tube in, and I wanted to share more of that. And, like, my engagement was suddenly really, really high, because people could see that I was sick and suddenly wanted to engage with me on socials. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. But before that, like, it was bizarre, like, I wasn't really necessarily seen as someone with a disability. It's just been really bizarre, because... Social media just was never really a true representation. And I withdrew, I think, because I realised it would never be either the sick or the healthy. And I was trying to work out how I could balance that and Mm. how people would actually accept me as the whole person of who I am.
1: Yeah, I really struggle with that too. Like finding that balance is so difficult that for me on my private Instagram, I probably share about 2% of my health stuff now on there. Regretfully... Like there's so many times things happen with my health or I have multitude of appointments that week or this or that, that I wish I was more comfortable with sharing on my private platform, which I should feel like that's a safe space because I've got my friends on there, my family on there. But yeah. I don't know. It's really difficult to put into words. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way. And sometimes we just go through seasons. Like you said, in 2021, you were posting a lot more with your feeding tube and the the struggles you were going through with your health. And now just because you're not posting as much doesn't mean you're not going through the same struggles, same better or worse,
0: you know? Definitely. And I think, you know, back to the old social media that I used to have, which was like dominated a lot by the modeling work. I think people who followed me back then were following me because of the modeling scene. And for that audience to then adjust to now, my platform's mainly kind of disability advocacy. And then I try and kind of put more social stuff up on there every so often to show like, actually I'm still a person because so many people still don't understand how Anonymous, you know, disability advocacy is with just being a person or being sick is with just being a person, which is a whole discussion in and of itself. When I was that, you know, model that was just doing shoots like most of the time and all of that like I still had the health stuff going on there are so many days where I was on a photo shoot and 24 hours later I was in hospital with a kidney infection or I was on a runway and having you know photos and videos posted but that morning I had to do a massive flush and then I had gastro and then I had to take a ton of emodium and then I had like a large ovarian cyst as well at the time that I had to get removed in emergency surgery two weeks later there's so much that's going on behind the scenes and we talk about invisible disability so much like yeah sure I'll accept that to most people I have an invisible disability despite having scars and this and that but my disability isn't not seen like it's Mm -hmm. just don't see it very often
1: shouldn't be like that yeah definitely can relate in so many ways it shouldn't devalidate our experience although I feel like personally I have this imposter syndrome because I can put makeup on, I can put a nice outfit on and you can cover up your scars. I don't have any scars, but you know, once I put makeup on, I look more awake. Or like something so silly I do, I get eyelash lifts every five weeks or so. Yes, they look pretty, right? I like having long eyelashes. I don't have to curl them every day. However, why I do that not only saves me time, but every time... I look in the mirror and I'm fatigued every damn day and I've just rolled out of bed, had four hours sleep, (laughs) broken sleep. I look in the mirror and my eyes look 10 times more awake. So then subconsciously for that split second, I feel less exhausted. Placebo effect, whatever, it works. (laughs) Hacks. Yeah, things like that, you know, I never thought I'd be doing. Incredible. I might have to do the same. Honestly, it's game changing. Like you really can convince yourself for a good minute, that you're not bloody exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
0: take the minute. Yeah,
1: we've jotted down so many examples here. We will share a funny one with you.
0: When Tiff and I were together for New Year's Eve, we literally had these huge suitcases. (laughs) Mine had to go on the plane, so mine was only like 23 kilos. But Tiff, like how heavy was yours, do you reckon? Oh my God.
1: It had to be like 30 kilos. It was... (laughs) it was really heavy and look these days thank god I don't have to carry my enema kit um I probably should but that used to add to my uh suitcase allowance (laughs) but our suitcases were embarrassingly heavy and half of my suitcase had my bloody supplements and vitamins in there that keep me feeling head above water
0: and think about it they're like all of these glass jars filled with tablets (laughs) so it's like really heavy
1: you gotta do what you gotta do chronic illness girlies people you'll understand you understand
0: so we're dragging these huge suitcases like we're coming for a week and we're there for like two nights
1: three nights
0: three nights well, that kind of like shows why it we need a big supplements. <laughs> and so, Tiff, well,
1: You know, pull, hang on, pull, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. You know, I did individually pack some, half of my supplements were in Ziploc bags, like just with whatever I needed. So it's not like I took my whole medicine cabinet, okay?
0: Some of it was pre-planned. So, and also some <laughs> of it did not take up as much space. Like that's extra context that you need here. It could have been much worse.
1: <laughs> I have to take a photo of my current bedside table situation just to show everyone like how bad it really is, please. But basically,
0: she takes out all of these supplements <laughs> onto the bedside table and it fills up the entire bedside <laughs> table and they're quite good sized bedside tables too. <laughs> she puts it all there and I'm like, oh my God, like <laughs> this is that we're gonna run here anyway, <laughs> later on, like one of my friends comes to visit, and they're like oh my god Tiff what's going on
1: I think I'm like smuggling drugs or I plan to stay there for like three months yes that was (laughs) quite funny supplements (laughs) oh my gosh anyway yeah, look, gotta do what you gotta do. Do you worry much about other people's
0: judgments, like for things that you're seen doing on social media and all of that these days?
1: I go through phases where I do and I don't because I post so minimally about my chronic illness on my Instagram these days. Just sort of in the mindset now, like, I just want to live my life. I don't care what people think. Although the other day when I did hear that comment from a friend, it... It did get me thinking a bit. It did get me in my head about it a little bit more and then thinking, oh, should I show more of what I go through throughout the week on my social media, especially since against the grain, we're disability led and we're proud of it and... Am I not showing that I'm proud of my chronic illness? And this isn't the first time that someone's mentioned that, oh, I'm looking so much better. And uh, there's just those comments unintentionally can be very triggering. And I'm sure, Anya, you can... I'd love to hear your perspective. And if you feel the same, if they're triggering comments, even though there's like zero ill intent behind them, I do find that they dig a little.
0: Yeah. I always know that there's no ill intention and people often mean it as a compliment, but like, it is just quite invalidating if they want to know, ask, like, I don't want to be told that I'm healthy or that I'm this or that I'm that because like... Yes, I know that I'm a great actor. Yes, I admit that's sometimes what I want to put out there, but I just want people to understand me and understand that if I'm not showing that side of me, that it's still there.
1: Absolutely. And like, this also goes for romantic relationships as well. Like, I'm sure, Anya, you've had similar experiences. You've told me about where you've gone on dates or even with someone I'm with as a partner in the past. They've been confused sometimes how I can just switch and almost a different character or a different role when I'm in front of other people, when I'm in front of their friends. Obviously, I'm going to try and act more upbeat and more energetic, even if I felt like shit half an hour before, but I felt like I could authentically be myself around my partner and feel like shit and not be judged. But then if I'm going to see their friends or see their family, of course I'm going to put on a little bit of a facade and not act as exhausted and tired. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it consciously or on purpose or to fool people. It Just also makes tricks me into sort of thinking I've got more energy than I really do for this occasion and you just push through things you push on and a lot of people don't understand that and I've gotten so much judgment from that from past partners and it's just very offensive heartbreaking even because We try so hard every day to show up. We're told to be the best versions of ourselves every day. And sometimes if you're around someone who you're super comfortable with, you're just really not going to want to put that facade on. And that's, okay and you shouldn't feel judged or demonized for that
0: definitely yeah I couldn't agree more and I think that's like a a relatively shared experience from what I've heard it reminded me of this experience that I had where I was just starting to see someone and he knew about like my disability and all of that quite in depth and we went out to like this concert. And like I've never really been to a concert. It was kind of like a local band. Like if you're kind of looking at me like you know that it's not hundred percent my thing. And it isn't hundred percent my thing. Like it really was not my vibe. And... I can see you as a concert girl. Like, <laughs> rock on. No way. anyway what concert was it? I'm curious. It was like a Sunshine Coast local band.
1: I'd probably be all over that. Like some Aussie coastal rock. You would love it. Stacy Jane's sticky fingers vibe. You would absolutely love it. <laughs>
0: (laughs) But me, not so much. No. Like, I didn't even fit into the crowd. Like, everyone was kind of wearing like hippie chic. (laughs) I was wearing thongs.
1: I wish I saw this. I
0: was wearing like heeled boots with a point. Can imagine. (laughs) Black blazer and a little black bralette.
1: Love it. Love it. Like,
0: everyone else, like in hippie. So, I did not fit in.
1: True. And your style. Embrace it
0: anyway. So we're there, and like it was crowded, and the music was like pumping, but it was like kind of Sunshine Coast country vibe music almost. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it's all like D-d-d-d-d. it's very different to that. And suddenly, I was feeling like, like very faint. And so, like, I was like, Oh no, you can push through this. So, I was like, holding on to the guy that I'm seeing, like, to keep me upright, but he was thinking I was being romantic. But I was like,
1: <laughs>
0: oh <my laughs> Eventually, I was like, I'm gonna drop to the floor. I need to get the fuck out of here. So I was like, I'll be back in a moment. Well, like, no. this is my approach. It. I'll be back in a moment. And then I, like, ran for the door so I could try and sit down and, like, collapsed into one of these, like, chair bench things. And then this lady could see that I was, like, really pale, like I was going to pass out. And she came up to me. She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And was, like, went, bought me water, looked after me. And I was out there for maybe, like, 25 minutes, recovered, and then went back in and was like, oh, sorry. I was just, like, in the bathroom. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: People don't understand what... Like what's wrong with us that we're sick and then we blame them. Well that's me at least.
1: Yeah. Oh, you don't want to feel like a burden. That's why.
0: Yeah, I just didn't want to feel like a burden, like in that situation. But then like when we came home, he was like, You went in the bathroom that long, like what's going on? Are you okay? And I told him. And you know what he ended up saying?
1: Oh no, what? I'm not gonna like
0: it. He was like, Oh girls just pass out like that all the time. It's just something
1: that happens. Oh my gosh who responds like that yeah and that just goes to show like why yeah. sometimes we just we don't feel comfortable and that's okay and we, you you shouldn't be portrayed as faking something or yeah. faking feeling sick and people yeah. just don't get it well at least you saw his true colors
0: yeah but like also that you never really know what's going on but some yeah. illness because they can mask it pretty well
1: oh we are experts we deserve golden globes what are the awards in the state like or is that for music i really don't know to be honest we deserve an oscar for how well we can act honestly
0: i think like it's an interesting thing to discuss really because obviously like we can worry about other people's judgments about activities that we're seen doing but i think it's difficult to show both sides at the same time sometimes with invisible disability because you either have to explain like that you have a disability or mention something about it it. Otherwise, you're not seen as having a disability. And I think that's the like crux of what I've always
1: struggled with. hundred percent. I agree with that. And it's, yeah, even for me, since I've started working this year of last year, I should say, when I tell friends and stuff that, yeah, I've got a job, I'm, I'm working again, again, they, they think I'm better. They don't see behind the scenes. They don't see that my boss has the same illness as me. And she's super understanding with my lived experience experience and she's made many accommodations for me and i recognize i'm so blessed in that case because so many people with chronic illness and disability aren't able to work participate in social activities like everyone else because of inaccessibility and lack of awareness and lack of those accommodations. So it's just really saddening for me. And I'm I'm grateful every single day. But also so much more needs to be done in workplaces, at concert venues, you know, at cafes, in restaurants, more people with chronic illnesses and disabilities need to be hired and treated as quote unquote healthy, normal people, whatever you want to phrase it as. But what should come with that is adjustments and asking that individual what they need, not putting them in a box, if you know what I'm trying to say it's it's really hard sometimes
0: no I think that was fantastic and I think what people often don't realize and what it took me a long time to fully realize was that even though the disability isn't invisible the access needs are not invisible like they exist like the disability Mm -hmm. still exists and the access need still exists and it can still be inaccessible for people that might not have like a mobility aid i think there needs to be a lot more awareness that invisible disabilities do exist and like how they impact people because that Mm. make up the majority and then you know so many people that do have visible disabilities have so many invisible disabilities as well that they necessarily get as much support with because they're just not as obvious and people always want to talk to them or know more about what's visible
1: focus on the visible yeah yeah That's a really good point, yeah. And I think something
0: that I found was, like, when I had a feeding tube, everyone was, like, focusing on that and suddenly having my disability visible for Mm. a short period of time was just so strange Uh. like on social media suddenly I had so much more engagement all of my likes my posts went up all of a sudden a lot of like messages like everything and I wasn't really doing anything differently apart from having like a tube in my nose it was just bizarre and it felt like me with a feeding tube or me having a more visible disability online was so much more popular but Mm -hmm. when I was out about in society like even people that knew me wouldn't want to engage with me because they like had this fear all of a sudden and they didn't know how to talk to me they didn't know how to respond to things that I'd say because they'd be so focused on the tube that was coming out of my nose and they couldn't see him as a person anymore so like it was this very strange learning for me about it seeming so popular online but normal being so acceptable in society that and-
1: would have felt so strange and really uncomfortable I'd imagine definitely like it was
0: horrible like in real life mm. to be greeted like that but mm. online like it was quite affirming and I just wonder yeah. like I think there are so many negative We're ways contrasting on a positive way you kind of wonder if like online breaks down like some of those barriers to like obviously reach people with similar interests but that place of being uncomfortable to know more or ask a question or understand what's going on whereas in person it's you know people are too scared to ask or to say something wrong yeah like otherwise if you can just see it and consume it and understand it like people find it easier
1: what would you say to people who know someone with a feeding tube or a physical disability whether they were born with it or they acquired later on in life, what advice would you give someone who isn't sure what to say or what to do sometimes, but they want to help out their friend or, or how would you approach that situation
0: just get to know someone as a person first like that's it ultimately so many people take things in different ways like for me usually I'm very happy to have like a conversation direct upfront about mm. you know my disability but for a lot of people they believe and rightly so that their disability their illness is not anybody else's business and it will never be anybody else's business and they don't want to disclose it to anybody which I support but like I'm not like that people are varying degrees on the spectrum so I think it's It's just important to get to know the person first. And then when you feel like there's trust and rapport between you, maybe ask the question about it or ask a question about it in a kind and considerate way that you would be happy if it, if it was asked to you.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't say that any better myself. And I mean, we both know so many people in the chronic illness and disability community that have such different approaches or identify with their illness in all sorts of ways from one end of the spectrum to i know so many people who don't want to talk about it at all any mention of it makes their spine shiver to complete opposite ends of the spectrum more so like you and i happy to chat about it happy to discuss about it advocate about out what we're going through but Yeah, there's even for me personally, sometimes I'm more in the middle and I don't want to answer questions about it all day with someone. And other times I'm more than happy to, or I want to talk to the nurse at my local pathology clinic and educate them about Lyme disease. Um, And sometimes I don't, I just feel shit. I want to go in there, get my blood test. I don't want any questions asked and that's okay. Um, But if you're talking about a friend and getting to know them for who they are, I think that is the best way to start and then go from there
0: definitely i think like so often like openness produces like openness as well so if you're really wanting to have like an open conversation with a friend and you feel like you've reached like a point where there's enough trust like obviously don't just like dump something like very traumatic and open to them but like if you've experienced anything like health related in your life you could potentially disclose that to them and then you could see if they open up about anything back to you like as a funny example Tiff and i were out at a bar and we had some people come up to us and buy us a drink i was just there sipping my drink and then i like tune my ears into the conversation that tiff was having
1: and I don't tiff even know what said, you're going to say you're scaring me yeah
0: <laughs> it must have said something about like lyme disease or whatever and like this guy's there going like on and on about his arthritis yes I remember. i'm thinking this is ridiculous
1: oh we had the best conversation like truly truly yeah. <laughs> this was like he probably was in his 60s that like, he was Part of like a work Christmas party group and I got stuck talking with him. Of course, when you sat down, I'm thinking, here we go. But he was the most loveliest man. And we had the best conversation for about 40 minutes. That's
0: who we get approached
1: by <laughs> when we're at.
0: Oh my gosh. But yeah, so Tip had a really nice conversation about arthritis um, because she <laughs> decided to offer a little disclosure herself and she received a lot in
1: return. I don't even know how the conversation started. I think he was complaining about an ache or a pain or something and then... I just went off that, and yeah, and you wouldn't think that you know you'd have so much in common with a person sometimes, and you can have a great conversation and just leave it there.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. It was a good conversation. Mm-hmm. We hope that you've enjoyed tuning in for this episode where we've just chatted over a few topics. If you have any requests for future episodes, if you'd like to suggest a guest, or if you'd like to come on as a guest yourself, we would love to have you on. Um, we have, like we've said, a few incredible guests coming up, and a few little things happening in our lives. That we'll jump on, have a chat to you about as well. So stay
1: tuned. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.